Welcome to the Ty and Kajo Show, the podcast for sports fans in Central and Western Kansas. Welcome back to the Ty and Kajo Show. We took last week off because we were a little busy. Took another bye week because the kids were sick and I'm tired. <laughs> it is a holiday week, Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. And if you are still in need of some holiday gifts, don't forget to check out Joseph Yacht Cattle Company. Or if you just want some homegrown beef. Oh, ha- delicious steaks. Um, you can find their contact info on their social media pages, Joseph Yacht Cattle Company. And I believe Corey and Heather's contact is on there. So, uh, great idea for Christmas gifts. Yes. And, okay, you'll be happy to know that I have almost all the Christmas shopping done. All right. Are you? Do you know what any present that we have is? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what do we have on the agenda today? We have a busy show talking a lot about football championships, KUK State Week, and some NFL talk. But before all of that... Let's chat with the founder of Sports in Kansas and the Think Before You Post presenter, Chet Couplin. Hey, Chet. Thanks for joining us. We have a lot of state championship games to get to. Nine classes, which, do you think that's too many for Kansas? Well, it is a lot of classes. First first off, thanks for having me on. It's great to be on with you guys, and it's, it's awesome to see uh, football being promoted in all shapes and sizes, of course, I do like, you know, that we have six-man football. I do like that we have eight-man football. Maybe we do have too many classes with nine. You know, unfortunately, I got to cover all these games at the same time on a Saturday afternoon, so it makes it a little difficult in my job. But more classes means more state champions. And, of course, as I said, all shapes and sizes. Some of these towns have eight players out, six players out in some years. In fact, your guys' town there and. Roselle played in a four-man football game a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's so right. I forgot about you that. You just never know from year to year. You know, we're going to talk about Cunningham here in a bit. And, you know, four or five years ago, this was a program just reviving, getting back, and, and getting their own team for the first time in a long time. So I think it's really, really tough for some of these small rural communities across the state of Kansas to kind of gauge and know where you're at with participation and enrollment. Uh, and I'm certainly not somebody that's just speaking of that, looking at enrollment numbers. I'm in and out of all these towns uh, all day, every day. And, and I see what they go through uh, some years having high participation, some years barely having anybody out. And, and that's just the way, you know, Kansas kind of is. And, you know, a few years ago, we, we split the 4A up. It was 4A1, 4A2, because, of course, it was 250 students all the way to 750 students. And the classifications have changed. Of course, if you've moved back to Kansas and been gone for about 20 years, you're probably going, what in the world is going on with all these different classes? It's not called 2-1-A anymore. We have a six-man class now that's sanctioned. Uh, and, of course, a few years ago, as I said, there was 4-A-1, 4-A-2. The classifications have changed a little bit, but I'm just happy that a lot of schools are still getting to play football, no matter if they have you know, 14 students in their high school or 2,400. I would agree. I guess it's good to get all representation from throughout the state. Uh, you just want to get us started, go over the 6A matchup with Manhattan and Gardner-Edgerton. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup because there is nobody in Kansas that had this matchup picked in, in any way, shape, or form. Coach Sharks has done an incredible job with this program and Manhattan this year beating Derby twice. That is really unheard of doing in the same year. And It's been since 2008, since the Centennial League football team 
has won a state title in Class 6A. That was Junction City's team with Ty Zimmerman, who went on to be, of course, a, a star player at Kansas State, played a little bit with the Saints. And this is a program that is primed to win a state title. First time in a title game since 01. Haven't won a title since 1988. And here they are taking on a Gardner-Edgerton program that hasn't been in the title game in 13 years. Last time they were there, a quarterback by the name of Bubba Starling, a junior that went on to play for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, this is a program that, you know, four and six last year, Jesse Owen, Pittsburgh State alum, has really done some good things with. Not a lot of star players, not a lot of depth. Uh, they've just gotten better throughout the course of the year. And we figured that 6A East was a little bit wide open. We kind of saw that last year with Blue Valley Northwest and their emergence and winning a state title over Derby. But it's new territory for two new teams. So a new state champion going to be crowned here. And that's the interesting thing here in Emporia. I think this is going to be an outstanding football game in Class 6A. I think it's a pick em style of game. Anything could happen. Anybody could win. You like the Kansas City area football and the Sunflower League and the EKL and all that they play. But at the same time, you got a Manhattan program that's beat Derby twice. That's really saying something. So I expect an absolute showdown here in Class 6A. And in 5A, you have a matchup of the defending champs, Mill Valley, versus the Mays Eagles, who feature Avery Johnson. I think that's maybe, I think could be the most fun game to watch. Yeah, it's not often you have a four-star, in my opinion, a five-star quarterback at a Kansas high school uh, that just jumps off the page. He is incredible. He's as popular as any athlete as I've covered in the time that I've been running sports in Kansas since 2012. And Coach Guzman back in the title game for the second consecutive year out of the ABCTL1. They beat Derby in a thriller 52-51 earlier this year, beat Hutchison twice, closer the second time, and beat a really good Hayes team last week at home. The interesting thing, obviously, with them, they've won four straight ball games at home, actually six dating back to the playoffs or the regular season, four in the playoffs, and now have a Mill Valley team that beat them last year. Mill Valley has won five state titles in Pittsburgh, Kansas, since 2015. That's where the host is for that. Joel Appleby has done incredible things with this program. No stars here. A lot of depth. 160-plus players out for this 5A program out of the Sunflower League. I believe they have four shutouts, five shutouts. Uh, on the six shutouts, actually, this year, four in the playoffs alone uh, so far. The only thing that, that I really question, no disrespect to the 5A East, 5A East was very, very weak this year compared to where it's been in the past. Why? Well, St. Thomas Aquinas jumps down to Class 4A, and they were a team that had battled with Mill Valley in those playoffs for years, rivals. And it was one or the other, really, every single year, I believe, since 2015 that had made the state title game. So uh, no competition there, but that doesn't mean that Mill Valley – uh, isn't going to be the favorite here. I think Mill Valley is the favorite, but I think this is a coin flip style of, of matchup. I'm I'm favoring Mill Valley based on Mill Valley and the tradition that they have. Mays has never won a title. But also, you have a, a once-in-a-lifetime type quarterback, and not only that, Division One wide receivers, in my opinion. I know they have one. I think they have more than that scattered all over the field. Cade Miranda is a very good defensive player for this Mays team, and offensively, their line is very, very underrated. This is a very good football team, very good lines on both sides. It's going to be one in the trenches. I see this being a very, very close game in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Yeah, you have to think most of the state of Kansas is going to be rooting for Mays. Absolutely. You know, everybody <laughs> likes a, a team that is new. Uh, everybody likes somebody new to, to win a state title, you know, the kind of the same way we'll talk in 3A. 
everybody's kind of sick of Andel. People in 4A for years were sick of Bishop Miege. When you start winning consistently, people want other teams. But I have so much respect for Coach Appleby and his program that he built from the ground up because, you know, I saw it from the ground up. It wasn't always this way. When I started sports in Kansas, I thought they were kind of a pretender, to be quite honest with you. They were jumping over from an independent league into the EKL, and I thought, man, they're going to get throttled. Well, the year that they were, were independent, right before they joined EKL, they came out of nowhere and won a state title. And they win another one the next year, and then they just keep winning and converted over to the Sunflower League a couple of years ago. They've been outstanding no matter what they've done. And, of course, his cousin Brandon Clark, and he was an assistant for him at Derby. And, of course, they got the blueprint there, uh, and it's just an incredible job. But uh, nice to see this Mays program to a new territory and where they're at. And it just gives you an idea how good that this quarterback really is to lead them to back-to-back title games because – 5A West, it has some pretty good teams over there. Uh, I think 5A West much, you know, stronger top to bottom than what we see right now in the 5A East. Um, are you going to go to that game, or what game will you be at on Saturday? I will probably be monitoring all of them online. So, unfortunately, in my job to do what I do and to know a little bit about every team, mm-hmm. if I go to one game, that's not really helping me out. I used to do that. Um and then I'd be like, well, what happened in this game? What happened in this game? It's still a nightmare to try to monitor all those at the same time. But much like you see somebody in a studio of ESPN or Fox or whatever it is that's talking about the games at halftime, they're not at a game a lot of the times. I'm kind of watching everything else going on in the state. And normally I would probably be in 5A because I would be back in Pittsburgh for Thanksgiving, but I'll be in Wichita working remotely. And I believe Bethany Bowman will be at 6A. She lives in Emporia. She'll be covering uh, that state championship there. But 5A, I'm with Ty. I think that's the one, if I had to pick, regardless of me being from Pittsburgh, Kansas area or not, I think that's the one I'd be going to. Okay, what's next? All right, so in 4A, you have Miege, and it's going to be another one of those. The state of Kansas is probably going to be rooting for Wamigo over Miege. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, first off, Wamigo, it's been an incredible, you know, resurgence of this program, or really first time in a long time. You know, they've had some good teams there. Um, and they've been a program that was a bigger 3A than a smaller 4A and have really experienced a lot of growth there in that area. Of course, you guys know Manhattan well and Rock Creek exploding and Wamigo exploding. Great facilities, great people there. And Coach Moody, who is from Salina, played out at Fort Hay State, has really surged this program recently. And, and the most impressive thing, the Donahue kid was a receiver last year, steps in at quarterback because their D1 quarterback gets hurt early on in the season. And all they do is go unbeaten the entire year. And I believe uh, Oviatt, the quarterback, of course, one of the top multiple sport athletes, if not the top, he's right there. You know, maybe he's not Avery Johnson, obviously, in football, but he's a state wrestling champion. He is all state uh, in baseball as well. And and here this guy is hurt all year. And I believe he's rushed for over 800 yards the last four games. Uh, He's back. They're putting both of those guys in the backfield. So this is a very, very strong Wamigo team. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, they've asked, can they hang around with me? Well, sure, they can hang around, but do they have the depth? Do they have the line play on both sides to hang around? Do they have the skill guys defensively to stop the passing attack of Mac Armstrong? Because the speed and the athletes that this Bishop Miege team has, are they the best ones I've had? Absolutely not. But this is a pretty good team, and they're a lot better than they have been the last couple of years. So, you know, on paper, you're probably favoring Bishop Miege by a couple of touchdowns. I don't think this is one of those years that you look at Miege and say they're going to win 59 to nothing in one of these games because we've seen past years like that. I don't think this is that style of matchup. I think while is going to put up a fight, you know, I think, you know, two, three touchdown favorite, 
uh, would be where I was picking if I was taking this. But I think a lot of people looking at it are thinking, oh, they're just going to get blown away. This is this is not a, a team to overlook in, in Wamigo. They're a very good football team. Uh, they beat some pretty good football teams this year so far as well. Andover Central, obviously, traditionally pretty good team, uh, 42-7. And McPherson has been knocking at the door of the state title, and they beat them 33-16. Uh, Isaiah Coppish is the player to look at out of Bishop Miege over a thousand yards receiving this year. Don't run it a ton, but they have three or four guys between 400 and 1100 yards this year offensively. And Mac Armstrong, I believe 70% completion over 3,300 yards this year. He's been incredible. And I believe only has thrown a couple picks as well. So this is a really, really good game. And, you know, while Mego only for a few games has been full force because as I mentioned, their division one quarterback, out all year, and all the other kid does is step in and pass for 2,000. That's a pretty good problem Jeez. to have when you're <laughs> steps in and throws for 2,000 yards in a small 4A high school. So I think Wamigo is much better than many people are giving them credit for. Uh, to give you an idea, Clay Center just played, uh, you know, they played Andel a little bit better than most people think. Nobody's playing Andel close. Um, and they beat Clay Center in week one, 45 6. Clay Center was a semifinalist in class 3A and not a bad team in any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. So I think this this team, Wamigo, I think they're much better than people give them credit to. But you know as well as I do, playing in the EKL and, and being Bishop Miege and the tradition and the players that they have, it's just a whole different level. So I am favoring Bishop Miege, but that's no disrespect to the Wamigo program. Uh, that's really favoring over anybody in this classification, even over who they beat last week. Uh, and, and Aquinas, who they split with this year, kind of really dominated that game last week. Okay, moving on to 3A, you have Holton versus the well-oiled machine of the Andale Indians. Yeah, I was in their weight room earlier this year speaking to their students on, on Think Before You Post. Also, before we get there, i got to give Mammoth Sports Construction, Watco, Next Tech Wireless, Jocksnitch, a big shout-out for powering everything we do as well as the Hurt app. Uh, but I was there speaking uh, and was going through their weight room and you know, looking at some of their stuff. And Coach Schmidt had 17 players clean over 285 pounds. I don't know if you know a lot about weightlifting, but that's a lot uh, for a 3A program in Kansas. Uh, they have close to 90 kids out per year at that program. And I know a lot of people think, oh, well, they're having kids move in from Wichita. Those aren't – all these kids have the same last names that they've always had there. I think they have one transfer on their entire program um, out of the 90 kids that they have on this team. This is built in the weight room from the ground up. They're good in every sport they play. Um, and a lot of people want to hate on their participation. Well, everybody has the ability to have that many kids out. I understand that they are a big 3A program as far as enrollment in our 4A and other sports. Uh, but this is done the right way. I know Coach Schmidt very well. And they don't have a star player on this team. Now, Riley Marks could be called the star. He's the number one javelin thrower in the United States. And his first cousin, she's the number one javelin thrower in the United States. She's a girl going to Texas A&M. Her sister was the number one javelin thrower in the United States. She's at Texas A&M. And they're... Brother starts for KU at tight end and Mason Fairchild. So you can say the Marks uh, family, they're with the Fairchild family, freak athletes. And, oh, guess what? Their other cousin, the second-best javelin thrower in the state, and he starts on the defensive line, Jonah Meyer. Uh, everybody's related there. It's crazy. And the athletes that they have going through there right now are incredible. But in my opinion, know, that's what it's all about. It's, it's unbelievable. It's all built yeah, in. Exactly. In and it, it's, you know, Coach Schmidt told me this summer, not this summer, in, in August, September, whenever I was there, he goes, he goes, you ought to see this in the summer. We have people waiting to get in here with sessions. They want to get better. Uh, that's what they work at. You know, they see this from the time they're kids, and it's not just football. 
it's all the programs want to get better, whether that's volleyball, whether that's track and field, you see all the state titles. This is a powerhouse. They've allowed six points so far over the last four weeks of the playoffs. A very good quarterback in the Spexar kid this year doesn't pass it a lot, but if he needs to, he can. And, and here is a Holton team led by Brooks Sparta, who inherited a Holton program in the mid-90s. He was an all-Big 8 player. Big 8, that's how far that goes back. A Big 8 player for Coach Snyder in the 1991 team that set a record for wins at Kansas State. Really the resurgence of that program. A Smith Center guy, obviously Roger Barta, his dad, the dynasty of Smith Center. And, and Brooks comes in in the 90s, and I believe Holton had been to one or two playoff games in the history. And here he comes in, and all he's done since then is taken to the playoffs nearly every single year. Over 200, I believe, 50-some wins uh, in his career and what he's has. He's one of the best coaches in Kansas, doesn't get enough credit. And for years, he was the smallest 4A in the state in winning 4A state titles. I believe 03, 05, and 12 winning state titles. Now, they're in their first title game in seven years. Uh, they have a great system, the bar to bone, three yards of carry. Really what they do, you can run that offense in a hurricane. They're not going to pass it a lot. And, of course, uh, the Booth kid out of the backfield, Fletcher Boswell, who was committed to North Dakota, and then Matt Lears, who is an incredible athlete at the quarterback position. Very good. The line has stepped up big after the graduation of several key players from last year. If there is a team that's going to give Andell any type of ball game in this classification, it will be Holton. Now, I don't think Andell is going to come out and beat this team 35-42 to nothing. Could they? Maybe. I see this being a fairly low-scoring game, maybe you know, 28 to 10, 28, seven, something like that. 21, seven, whatever it happens to be. I think that this game's going to end quick. I don't think there's going to be a lot of passing. I think there's going to be a lot of running and uh, it's going to be an outstanding slugfest type of football game of two powerhouse teams that really like to play smash mouth football. I think Andel right now just has a defense that may be one of the best ever at this level. Uh, that's no disrespect of Holton picking Andel. I just think that's a whole different level right now of what they're doing. I would have Andel as maybe a top five team in all classifications when we combine it. Certainly their defense would be. How would they stack up against Miege, Derby, you know, Mill Valley, teams like that? We'll never know. But I think they certainly have a cast of players that have a championship style of defense. And that's why this team has won 50, I believe it's 50 right now, 50 consecutive football games. Both of those teams are an example of winning breeds winning, in my opinion. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they weren't always winning at all these programs. Andel's had a lot more success, obviously, uh, you know, way recently than Holton has. But Holton, obviously, since the late 1990s, it's just been a consistency thing. Um, and it doesn't matter to the players they have. It's just, you know, people want to play football for Brooks Barta. They run the same system. And they learn it in the youth leagues. And obviously, they see results. <laughs> and success breeds success, just like you said. Okay, in 2A, we have Nemaha Central and Kingman, which is new to the title game, I believe. Yeah, Kingman, I believe it's been since 1972. So I wasn't born until the mid-'80s, so a long, long time ago. And I believe Coach Hageman wasn't born until 1989 or ninety. Uh, so way after him, this has been an impressive team, even with their season opener against Cheney, a very solid class three program, 28 to 14. The defense here has been incredible. I mean, you look at a lot of their scores this year and all of their games, but two, it's a touchdown or less Cheney, 14 points and Southeast of Selene was in two overtimes. And that would have only been two touchdowns that it went, not went to overtime uh, in that game. And Southeast of Selene was very explosive, had some speed and the give our kids on that team. It's too bad, really, somebody had to lose that game. I watched parts of that game online. Uh, but it's awesome to see Kingman in a title game for the first time 
since 1972. So this is a, a very, very good team. Their quarterback, it kind of runs through him. But this Nemaha Central team, I was up at their practice earlier this year with Bethany Bowman, and I'm telling you, 6'4", 276, 6'6", 300. Uh, one of the kids not even going to go on to play college football, the junior Holton Bass, he's being looked at by Division One programs. And guess what? You hand off to a kid in Cooper Hike that is 6'2 230 pounds. And this is, you know, we knew this was going to happen eventually with this program. Nemaha Valley traditionally – pretty good in athletics over the years. And then you had a program called Baileyville BNB, who was just an absolute powerhouse in class 1A. Now all of a sudden you, you look at this team, Nemaha Central, it's got Baileyville and Seneca kids on this team. And, and that's why they're so good. Imagine, you know, plugging in a, a small school powerhouse with another small school powerhouse. And that's what you have in Nemaha Central in class three. And I'll coach Seitz. Uh, he's out in Missouri now, the, the former Mizzou Tiger NFL player who was their last coach. Uh, you know, last year, was it last year or the year before? Was, I believe Glatzik, I don't know if this is his first year or second year, but Glatzik, former player at Centralia, uh, took over as the head coach. He played at KU, and he's done an incredible job uh, with this program this year. But this Nemaha Central team, guess what? They beat Holton. Holton is in the 3 state championship game. So gives you an idea what Kingman is against this week. I'm favoring Nemaha Central on this one. Don't want to discredit Kingman. But I think Nemaha Central, I mean, I'm telling you, I was at their practice, and, and those players out there did not look like a, a small <laughs> Team. It was very, very impressive. Okay, in 1A, we have St. Mary's versus Inman. I think of all the games, this may be the one that could be a blowout. What do you think? You know, Inman lost earlier this year to Conway Springs, and I kind of wrote them off, and now they, they come back and they beat Conway Springs. And Conway Springs has one of the best backs uh, in the state, and Braden Coons, over 2,000 yards. He's also a national ranked uh, calf roper. Uh, incredible kid, got to meet him. He'll be back next year as well for that program. I had Conway Springs going to the state title game. Now, this Inman team has been surging and climbing under Lance Sawyer, state runner-up last year. Olpe loses Centralia last, or, uh, the week before, and Centralia you know, comes along and you know hangs with St. Mary's for a bit. But the difference with the new 1A is there's not just 29 teams like there was in the past or 26, whatever it was. It's expanded, I believe, to 40 and there's some quality programs all of a sudden. In there. I mean, St. Mary's, when I was in high school, was a 3A team. My sophomore year, they went to the state championship game. Uh, in 06, they went to a championship game as well. And the St. Mary's team plays very, very good competition. And no disrespect to 1A, there's been some very, very good teams. But when you're playing Rock Creek and Silver Lake and Rossville, these teams in your playoffs, you know, they don't really stack up to that level of play as far as my opinion. Now, some years, yes, you do have some of your Centralias and OPs and Troys that – are very, very good teams, teams that have won state championships. I think Keller Hurley and St. Mary's just going to be too much for this team for uh, this week, and he's thrown for, I believe, 2,100 yards, 900 rushing. Uh, he scored 50 points in a high school basketball game last year, also an all-state golfer and track and field athlete. Poor sport athlete there, and uh, St. Mary's has got it rolling right now. They have an incredible facility for a Class 1A program and a sports construction facility but uh, the mid-east league they're very very battle tested in that league we know all about the tradition of that league with silver lake and rossville throwing rock creek st mary's and riley county as well well bonzi used to be in that league although i believe they're playing independent this year um but i think st mary's uh, i think is at least maybe a two three touchdown favorite uh, in this one probably leaning towards three touchdown favorite in this one i don't know if it'll be a blowout uh but i just think st mary's has played a much better uh, schedule this year than that of Inman. 
Now we're getting to some of my favorite matchups. In the eight-man ranks, we have eight-man one, Little River in Wichita County. And you talk about some explosive offense in Leota, Wichita County, who the last few years just kind of came out of nowhere out there, just on the border of the mountain time zone, not in the mountain time zone. But Brent Douglas has done an incredible job in Leota, the High Plains League, and really have been dominating competition. The thing that I question, is this league as good as it has been really in the past, or schedule, I should say, as it has been in the past. You know, Mead wasn't the same team uh, this year. Obviously, you know, state champion kind of came out of nowhere last year. Their coach leaves to go to Liberal, 9-2 and two on the season. And the talent levels maybe dropped off a little bit with some of the competition and teams they play, but they've handled business every single week. Uh, and this is really, you know, a mastermind <laughs> offense coach in Brant Douglas, who's from Texas, that has done an incredible job. Really reminds uh, Connor Nichol and myself out of, you know, that Hanover coach Hoyer uh, does a lot of similar things to him. The Hermos Silla brothers have been incredible. And, and just two years ago, their quarterback was incredible. Their whole team was incredible. And maybe one of the best eight-man games I've ever seen with Little River because this is a rematch. And that Little River team two years ago with Garrison and Stevens, I thought, well, there's no way that they'll ever replace that. That was just an incredible team. Incredible to watch. And I thought, well, Little River will jump jump away for a little bit they'll they'll you know they won't be the same team well last year they take state runner up and here they are back they lose to canton galva in week one of the season canton galva i feel like an axtell are the two top teams in all of eight man no matter what level we're talking about unfortunately they had to play last week we'll talk about that here in a bit uh this is going to be a showdown on this i see it being an absolute shootout it's not going to be a point rule i see it you know maybe a game that each team's going to score in the 50s or 60s I really feel that way. I think Little River is just going to be too much defensively. I think Graham Stevens is very, very hard to block. Braxton Lafferty, one of the top players in the state as well. But a great offense, which is a great defense, and don't count out Little River's offense either. Kevin Ayers is a mastermind. Everywhere that he's been, he wins. It's incredible uh, what he really elevates his players to. I mean, Jaden Garrison was a kid that wasn't even going to play football. And He's one of the best eight-man football players I've ever seen. One of the best 1A athletes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, now doing great things for Hutchinson Community College basketball. But I have Little River moving on in this matchup of some eight-man one powers. I can remember a few years ago playing Little River in basketball when I was coaching, and the Lafferty kid was a freshman, and you could tell then that that kid was going to be a heck of an athlete when he got older. Yeah, and he's he's built, you know, six foot and a half, six one, 195 pounds, and He's a guy that we evaluated this year. We think he's, you know, I'm not saying he is a is a high high level Division two MIAA standout or something like that. But you know, somebody might take a chance on him. Somebody may give him an offer, uh, something like that. There are certainly players at all levels, and I think a lot of these kids at eight man one, six man one, eight two eight, we often overlook. Not me. People often overlook these people, but you know as well as I do. You know, growing up in a small town and seeing a lot of this, coaching it at the state tournament. Man, there are players at every single level, and we got to start looking at more of these kids. And, you know, luckily now for social media, a lot of these kids are being discovered or, or found out of these tiny towns across Kansas. It's certainly fun to follow. Moving to eight man two, we have Axel and Thunder Ridge. Thunder Ridge is a team that kind of came out of nowhere for me. Maybe not a surprise to some people. Yeah, I mean, I honestly had Victoria moving on in the tradition that they had. Uh, and Dighton was a team that Connor Nickel talked about all season. I was with Coach Simon earlier this year uh, presenting at their school and, and talked to Max Neely and, of course, the Kramer kid, a very good player for them, Eli Wilkinson. And you know, I thought they put up a little bit better fight. Dighton's been a team that 
you know, they had more numbers this year than they've had in past years. You remember a few years ago, they had the Dighton nine that made a semifinal, and I believe they had 13 a few years ago with the, the Foose kid who was a standout player at the Shrine Bowl and I believe 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six quarterback that's now an assistant coach on the team as well. They've had some good players there in Thunder Ridge. You know, Joel Struckoff, their coach, one of the best eight-man players of all time, has really got this program surging, and the Bice kid's very good, and the Bice quarterback, 4,000 and 4,000. Um, I do question the schedule a little bit and where they're at. Now, I say that, but they've also beat Victoria and Dighton. They lost to Hill City. I mean, overall, this, the schedule looks pretty good. But Axel, I'm telling you, to beat that Canton Galva team and what Canton Galva has defensively on that team, I know a lot of those players. I've covered those guys. I've seen them at camps and combines. I spoke at their school earlier this year. I was talking to the, you know, the, the Kane kid and, of course, uh, Jeff Vincent, who you know transferred from Wheaton Grinnell as a Colorado State offer, who I think is one of the top eight-man uh, defenders of all time. He set the record this year. And all Isaac Detweiler does is win. I mean, this is a kid as a freshman that played receiver in the state championship game. Busing was the quarterback. They had, I believe that year, they had 36 kids in their high school, in their entire high school. And here they are battling in the state championship game. I believe it was Osborne and the freak athlete uh, brothers that they had on the team that year. And win a title last year. And all this kid does, you know, he's 25-game winning streak. I think that they're just going to be too much offensively and defensively. And they're not done either. They have some young players in this team that are going to be back. Detweiler's gone, uh, but I believe there's a younger Detweiler coming up and one of their best players, their second-best players, a sophomore on this team as well. So I think Axel just going to be too much. I mean, this is a team I felt like Osborne wasn't a bad team, and they completely dominated them where they're at. Now, schedule isn't necessarily great, and the first full game that these guys played in was last week until, you know, Besides week one, last week was the first game, full game that they got to play in the entire year. I would kind of hate being an eight-man football player. I didn't play eight-man. But if you're on a good team, I mean, you don't get many reps. Six-man's the same way, and we have a rematch of a game earlier in the season where it's Cunningham and Ashland. Yeah, this is awesome because this is the first ever sanctioned Keisha State Championship game. Now, we've had the Wild West Bowl. I don't know if they're still calling it that. I know it's obviously still in Dodge City. Uh, and we've always you know, covered it for the last several years, not in depth. Uh, I will admit I've never been to a six-man football game in person. I've watched, uh, you know, obviously we mentioned earlier, you know, a four-man football game. I mean, all shapes and sizes you see it at this level. And there's still athletes at this level as well. There's some really, really good teams, some really good players. Yeah, we've seen some blowouts. Uh, and this is kind of what we expected, the rematch from week one. Of course, uh, you know, Ashland, you know, a program that, you know, was an eight-man program and not a bad program at that level either. Uh, but Ben Fox and, of course, his brother have done a really good job with this program. Lost 38-30 to in week one, had a bye week, another open week, and really have been dominating competition every single week. And even whenever you look, you know, you know, and you can explain, explain it better than I do. You know much more about eight-man and six-man football than I do. But I think a lot of people across the state look at 78 to 34 or 56 to 28 or whatever it may be and think, oh, man, that was a blowout. Well, maybe it was if it was in 1A football. But explain to the listeners that that's not a blowout when you're looking at it when a lot of things can happen in eight-man football, six-man football really fast. Oh, I've been part of a game where we were ahead by 31, and within four minutes it was tied up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you onside kick every time, 
So it's easy to get right back in the game with a couple onside recoveries. And it's really hard to play defense when you only have six players out there. And if you have any speed at all, it's you can nearly score every time you touch the ball. Well, Colton McCartney from Bird City Shyland did a few years ago. I think that guy has the record for national touchdowns at the six-man level. It was it was really unfair. And, of course, last year the Martinez kid, the George kid of Matoma, an incredible year. And, of course, you guys have had one there. And the Scott kid, uh, unstoppable. Uh, at that level at Pawnee Heights, uh, you get one player at some of these schools, and of course there's another McCarty kid that's a junior at Shawland right now. You get some of these kids, it, it becomes nearly unstoppable. And, and Cunningham, you know, what a neat story. Um, Bethany Bowman put out a, a graphic earlier, Sports in Kansas, how proud really the community is, uh, not because they're back in the state championship game, uh, but that they have football. I mean, this is a program, and I'll read the quotes of Lance McGuire, Cunningham football being in the state final is more meaningful than most know. Eight years ago, we lost our football in our community entirely. For four years, we drove our few players to play with other teams. This championship game is a celebration of all the hard work and big dreams of our community, school, parents, and team. Together, we brought football back to our own field and under our own lights from this year's senior refreshment. I'm so proud of these young men and their dedication to get us where we are today and inspire a solid future for Wildcat football. Cunningham head coach Lance McGuire. That gave me chills reading that uh, earlier today of just how much it means to some of these communities of playing football, no matter if it's six-man, eight-man, 11-man, whatever it is. Cunningham is the favorite, obviously, in this matchup. I know you probably have a lot more insight on this. Is This is kind of your territory and, and what you cover, but I love to see it. I mean, this is a big-time matchup regardless Obviously, if it's six-man or 11-man, six-man or 6A, pretty cool to see. Yeah, what's crazy is three or four years ago, Cunningham came here for a uh, jamboree, and it was their first year of six-man. And if you'd have told me that that program would be in the state title game three or four years later, I would have said you were crazy. But they've really built something there quickly. Yeah, very, very uh, impressive to say. i got to ask you guys, who are your guys' picks? Uh, I'll, I'll go with Kayla. You're going to go first. Oh, God. <laughs> Your nine picks, no scores, just go 6A all the way to 6 man. Okay, 6A, I'm going with Manhattan. 5A, Mays, just because of Avery Johnson. 4A, I'm going with Boomtown. Wamigo has a very special place in my heart because I have friends that live there, and I've been following along on Facebook all fall, and so I'm just like, I'm, I'm 100% in for Wamigo. Um, 3A... I kind of love to love the teams that other people hate, and I want Andale to keep on rolling, even though I grew up much closer to Holton. Um, 2A, I'm going to go Nemaha Central. 1A, I'm going to go Inman, simply because I know the head coach for Inman's wife, and she's really cool, and I've been following along with their stuff this year. Um, 8-man, 1A, Wichita County, just because I've been to Leota one time, and that was fun. <laughs> um Eight man two Axtell because I grew up like I don't know eighteen miles south of Axtell, and then six man, man, uh, I'm gonna have to go Ashland because they're a spa league team. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Manhattan as well in six A and five A. I think Mill Valley will top Maze, but I think that's gonna be a shootout. In four A, I'll take Miege over Wamigo. Three A, I think it's hard to bet against Andale. 2A, I like Nemaha Central. 1A, I like St. Mary's. I actually think St. Mary's is going to roll Inman. I don't know. There's something about St. Mary's. They've played a tough schedule. 
Eight man one is a tough one. Most generally, I root for the Western teams when it comes to the eight man ranks, but Little River's really not that far east, so I'm going to go with Little River. And then in eight man two, I'm going to take Thunder Ridge. And six man, I think Cunningham's the better team. I'm going to pick them, but I'm going to root for Ashland just because they're a spa league team. How are we even compatible? You literally picked almost the opposite of every <laughs> single game I picked. Did we? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> All right, no, so the I'm most my wife, she would do the same thing. Anything <laughs> I would say, she would pick exact opposite. So I'm in the same boat. So the most important pick of the week, though, who wins the Sunflower Showdown? Man, you know, first off, you know, hats off to Lance Leipold and, and KU for turning around. I think it's good for the state of Kansas when we have two teams that are going to Bulls because I'm biased to the Kansas high school football product, and I want them competing for recruits because that means more scholarships being offered rather than more kids walking on to one program, not being offered, whatever. Uh, Kansas State, I think, is just on a whole different level right now. Really what they're doing offensively, their offensive line and their rushing attack this season. But Will Howard, obviously, he's been great with his arm as well and finding some of those big-time receivers. However, those big guys up front, they're getting it done. And it's awesome to see you know, guys that I cover, guys that I know. You know, Hayden Gill was a walk-on player. In fact, I had him take over my Instagram account when he played in the Kansas Shrine Bowl and you know, the life of a Kansas Shrine Bowl player is probably not a smart thing to do now is to think before you post guy to give a 18-year-old <laughs> word and say, hey, you know, run our account for the weekend. He's a walk-on kid, 208-pound kid whenever I met him in high school. Um, and now he's a 290-pound starting center for K-State that walked on. So I love stories like that. As well as Hadley Gillum, who came out to our combine. His dad, of course, Garrett, calls me up and says, hey, our goal is to play in the Kansas Shrine Bowl. What do we need to do? I had no idea who the kid was, a sophomore. Comes all, all the way out, six and a half hours from Pittsburgh, Kansas, 2018 Shrine Bowl Combine. Comes out there to work out. He kind of put himself on the map, got recruited, got a, a gray shirt offer to Kansas State. And has worked his way up into the starting lineup, and it's been incredible for him this year. And, of course, BB, a, a standout in high school. So I root for those guys up front, specifically because they're Kansas high school products. A lot of the backups are from Kansas, and they've been road graders for this team. And Deuce Vaughn's been slowed down and limited a little bit this year. I think DJ Giddens is going to be a, a big-time player for Kansas State in the future. Deuce has been incredible, don't get me wrong. He has a lot of people can on it. Uh, what we'll see offensively, and I, I don't know, with the injury of the quarterback or whatever, I think K-State's just going to be too much. If Texas, obviously Texas didn't have to pass against KU. Texas did whatever they wanted to against KU. And it, you know, I think that's going to be the same way this week as well. Uh, what we will see from you know Jalen Daniels at quarterback, I don't know. I, I think that it is a major improvement. Um, they were playing incredible at one point. I think maybe people jumped on them too fast and thought, oh, they deserve to be a top 15 team in the country. Um, but the Big 12 has been competitive this year. There's been a lot of parity in it. Anytime you see an Iowa State team, who I think is a pretty decent football team, outside of their interceptions and you know really not good quarterback play, offensive play, their defense has been really good. I think they've lost seven football games in the Big 12. If they year. had an offense to go with that defense, they'd be the best team in the Big <laughs> yeah, 12. I know. I mean, they've been <laughs> right. And they got, you know, kind of screwed over on a play against Texas and a penalty. Should have won that game. They missed three field goals against Kansas State. You know, or KU, excuse me. Um, in every single game that they played this year, it seemed like. I, I went to the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game, and, you know, they could have won that game as well. It seems like they just haven't had the ball bounce their way. Uh, this year that's how much parity that there really is in this league this year whereas past years you automatically say oh KU's horrible we're going to beat them by 60. Uh, I think it will be a decent game but I think Kansas State's just going to be 
going to be too much. Now, if they played earlier on in the season, I think it would probably be a little bit better game. I think KU is pretty slim in some positions right now, though. I do love that you brought up the point of the Kansas kids because you've had a big part in getting a lot of those Kansas kids to KU and K-State. And that's a, that's one reason I can't hate on KU I'm, as a K-State grad and a K-State fan because they do have some Kansas kids playing big roles like Devin Neal, the Lawrence guy, Mason Fairchild you mentioned. Who was the kid last year that got, like, Applebee's? Oh, Jared yeah, Casey, the, Plainville. Jared was the 1A Sports in Kansas Player of the Year in high school, and Jared came to their camps and combines and events, and I'm not kidding. I'm probably the same height, if not taller than Jared. And, you know, I thought, you know, he'd be a great player in MIAA, whatever, you know. Could he, is he going to get an opportunity anywhere? And, you know, KU is his only walk-on opportunity. What people don't realize, though, is that kid was a heck of a basketball player, too. Average twenty points a game at six yes. foot tall and two hundred six foot two sixty as a guard. He can play inside as well, but he averaged twenty points and ten rebounds a game. Yeah, and he he's was an a athlete. Fifty-four foot shot put thrower uh, in, in high school as well. Plainville obviously had a lot of stud throwers over the years. But you know, right now I was talking about this other day with a, a co-host I have on another show, and you know, Plainville, Kansas. I just drove through there last week on the way to Nebraska. Um, and I don't know, thousand people, whatever it is, north of Hayes there. And this year alone, Plainville has a starting center for K-State, the starting fullback slash tight end for KU, and the starting safety that's second on the team in Washburn and tackles in Jordan Fennessey, who was a state wrestling champion in high school, who probably could have walked on and done some damage at some programs at the Division One level as well. That is a Class 1A high school with roughly just over 100 students I mean, you can't go to 6A high schools and say that. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's fun to, definitely fun to follow all the, the small towns across the state and, and see these kids obviously, you know, get opportunities. And uh, it'll be interesting to see with the future of where KU is going. And, of course, we'll see if anybody comes after Coach Kleiman this year and everything, uh, all the openings, the big openings out there in Nebraska and, and Wisconsin. I mean, how, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but uh, whenever I was, you know, in the 90s growing up, um, I followed the Nebraska program a lot. I kind of liked the Nebraska program. We had a, a kid from Webb City, Missouri, which was just over the state line, that started for the Nebraska Cornhuskers on three national championship teams. Grant Wistrom was a first-round pick. He was incredible. He was an idol to everybody. And, and when I tell people now, they don't realize it. Nebraska was the Alabama of the '90s. Absolutely. What What in the world is What in the world has happened to that program? I, I wouldn't know about Nebraska in the 90s, they Chet, because I was born in the 90s. <laughs> I think moving to the Big Ten was a bad move. I agree. They, 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 they've not really done anything. I mean, really, since Frank Solich, obviously, I know Blo Pelini did some good things, and Callahan probably, you know, kind of buried the program, Wouldn't they but, kill to have Bo Pelini's record back? Yeah, they would love <laughs> to have that. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think of, man, they were the Alabama. Like, if I told somebody now, Nebraska won, you know, not, you know, that many titles in that small, you know, three titles in four years. Like, there's no way. And we can't even get a team right now in the Big 12 to even get past the first round of the playoff. I know. <laughs> I think Oklahoma's going to find the same thing out when they move to the SEC. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think the do. Whole day, you know, for some of these teams, because you look at TC right now, you know, obviously they've had the ball bounce their, their way a lot. They beat a lot of good teams, but, you know, They've been close to losing a lot of games as well, but you're just not, you know, whether you're TCU, whether you're Baylor, whether you're, you know, Kansas State, as far as football goes, you're you're just not going to get that name brand help. 
yep. unless you're in Texas. And, and that's the unfortunate thing with how college football is. Speaking of K-State, they have a very good recruiting class coming in with a lot of Kansas kids, obviously highlighted by Avery Johnson. What can you tell our listeners about Avery Johnson? Well, first off, he's a great kid. Uh, we've been around him at a, a lot of events um, and, and talked to him and see some of the stuff that he does off the field as well. That obviously, the thing with his, his grandpa and, um, you know, visiting, you know, kids uh, that have disabilities and things like this, stuff that he does that he doesn't want credit for, but you see surface. Uh, it just shows what type of kid that he is. Uh, it just seems, seems so K-State uh, to me and seems so Colin Klein and Chris Kleiman to me. Uh, for him to, to be at that school in that position. Avery's a freak athlete. Avery is a guy I think could be a Division One wide receiver. Obviously, you have to get a little bit stronger and, and bigger, but Avery is a freak. Uh, you've seen him dunk the basketball over the place. This guy's incredible, and, and and all he does is win as a quarterback. So this is, in my opinion, you know, the biggest name that I've seen in Kansas high school sports um, and the time that I've covered sports in Kansas since 2012 when we started it, just before we started, there was a young man named Bubba Starling. I think it's to that level as far as popularity. And then you add in the social media surge and NIL. Uh, he's that type of player. There's going to be a lot of expectations for him. Uh, hopefully he can fill those expectations. The good news is he may not have to do that right out of the gate with Will Howard, obviously elevating his play and, and where he's at, but we shall see. And then on top of that, you know, there's still some other pieces that are kind of coming together. I like the defensive end out of Olathe South. I think he's a great player. I like the kid out of Piper, the BB kid. Uh, is he his brother? I don't know. Could he be? Maybe. Um, you know, high expectations for him and, and what he's done. It's been a heck of an athletic family with three Division One football players as brothers and really doing a, a good job. Not only that, what I love about Kansas State the most um, are really these PWOs. I mean, you look right now, their top player defensively is a walk-on from Lewisburg, Kansas. Austin Moore is an absolute machine. And that's a guy that barely had Division II looks out of high school. And, man, you talk about a guy that can just tackle. And he, he's he's, just, he's just all over the place, too. He's unbelievable. And, and that's that's the heartbeat of the program. And, you know, Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Cats, is on one of my shows once a week. And, we talk a lot about that, and of course, I nerd out, as you guys do, about Kansas and Kansas high school kids, and Wyatt's from Solomon, Kansas, so he likes to do the same thing, and we talk about that all the time. That's been the heartbeat of the program for so many years, is these guys that they get for free, you know, these guys that they get out of nowhere, that have a chip on their shoulder out of high school, that have more to prove from somebody else, because they've always been told that they can't do it, and I think that adds really something to it for some of these kids, and representing their state, People telling them that they can't do it and them finding a way to get on the field. Now, there's a lot of guys that slip through the cracks that don't make it work or never get on the field or just a role player. But, man, there have been so many good PWOs at Kansas State's program, and I hope the same thing is going to happen over at KU because, like I said to you guys earlier, what that means is more Kansas high school football players with opportunities. But how about Dylan Edwards of Derby? Is he going to play for Notre Dame? Well, is he going to go to Notre Dame? I don't know. I mean, um, you know, he was going to Kansas State, going to Notre Dame. You see him on a visit at Kansas State. Uh, I've met him a couple times. You know, seems like a pretty good kid. Um, you know, our all-classes player of the year last year, he is as fast as it comes. You know, he had an offensive line that was brand new this year. Maybe didn't have the year that he's had in the past, but he still goes for 1,900. Uh, absolute best back in the state right there with the Randall kid uh, who hasn't produced a lot in high school games. 
but he's a dude, I'm telling you. Obviously, his, his family has a long story of being very good players at the next level, including the Dallas Cowboys, his uncle. Um, and maybe, you know, Kansas State has an opportunity to end. But I think Edwards, whether he'll play receiver, whether he'll play running back, slot, whatever he's going to play, I don't know. He, he's a guy that is too fast to not get the football to. So I would he may K-State he may have decommitted from K State, but I would take him back in a heartbeat. Absolutely, he is too good. They need playmakers, and he's a playmaker. All right, chat. I gotta test your trivia knowledge. Wait, what? Oh. Trivia question for me? Yes, we have a trivia question for you. I got I gotta test your knowledge since you know a lot of random facts about a lot of people. So there is a five A football coach in the Kansas City area that used to coach at Pawnee Heights, and he was my first ever coach in the seventh grade. Who is that? He's from your area? Nope, he's not from here. But he his first coaching job was at Pawnee Heights. The head coach at Pawnee Heights? Yep. He was my seventh grade football coach. So what year would that have been? But was, he, was he just the head coach in junior high or high school? No, he was, his first was junior high, and then he moved up to high school. Yeah, he's in the Kansas City area. He's a head coach of a 5A program. Is the 5A program still playing? Because that would give it away. That would be Joel Appleby, right? Nope. <laughs> it is, they are not still playing, but they did make the playoffs. Or they made the second round of the playoffs. They are – the team in the area, in the Kansas City area, is purple and yellow. Is it outside the metro or in the metro? Yes, it would be outside – what is that? The Is that the Centennial League maybe? I'm not sure what league. It would be Frontier League, would it? Yeah, they're in the Frontier League. Okay, they'll have to be Spring Hills coach. Would it be feedback? Yep. Yeah, he was at Chanute. I know it. Yep. He was my seventh grade football coach. Jason Feedback. Yep. Brennan Feedback. Yep. Brennan Feedback, his son, was a stud. He was born and, here. Uh, <laughs> so the guy that owns Spring Hill Sports Live does all their games. Is actually the executive director of the Kansas Shrine Bowl. So um, I did not know Jason Feedback was out there. Yep. He was at we were, this was his first teaching and coaching job. Wow. He left after my sophomore season. Wow. Great guy. I, I would have never known that. That's cool. That's right. He did go to Chanute from here, I think. You got anything else? We've kept Chet for one whole hour. Hey, no, but thanks a lot for doing this. That was great. I would be doing this anyways. That's just whenever I get around to a group of people like this, this (laughs) that like like things that I like, this is what I talk about. So it's not work to me. I appreciate you guys having me on. Nope. We appreciate you coming on the show and hope to do it again during basketball season, maybe. What an awesome interview. Like, that was fun. I could just, you and Chet, man, you guys and your sports knowledge, it's just fun to listen to. Oh, he's a whole nother level. (laughs) Well, big thanks to Chet for uh, hanging out with us for a while and uh, give us some insight on the state championship matchups for football. But now, what do we have to talk about? Speaking of Chet, though, his sports in Kansas is awesome. Absolutely. If you don't follow sports in Kansas, make sure you follow it. And if you're an athlete wanting to be recruited, definitely reach out and contact him. He'll he'll help and you out. He didn't even really talk about this much, but his program that he goes to schools and talks to, um, think before you post about social media, absolutely awesome. He's been out to Pawnee Heights twice. And if you ever have that opportunity to have him at your business, at your I'm I want to get him out here for club volleyball, um, do it. It is pretty, pretty awesome. Absolutely. It's very important in this day and age. Yep. Okay, so what do we have now? NFL? Got to cover NFL quick? Let's cover some NFL. Since it is Thanksgiving week, we have three games 
Three games on this Thanksgiving day. And did you know, no one has a bye week on Thanksgiving. Every single team has to play. Nobody has bye weeks left, I don't think. Okay, well, there goes my fun but stat. Anyway, so the first game on Thanksgiving day is Buffalo at Detroit. Which Does Detroit always play? Detroit always plays, and so does Dallas. But Detroit is coming off two straight wins. Can they beat the Buffalo Bills? Let's go, Lions. They play at 11.30. And then at 3.30, you have the Cowboys, who are kind of the hot team in the NFL right now. Ew. And the New York Giants, who are surprisingly 7-3. and three. And then the night game for Thanksgiving night is New England at Minnesota. Yawn, yawn. Not, in, not interested in that one if... So this is how my my brain is tracking with all that. Buffalo versus Detroit. I'll be ready and excited to watch because I won't have a lot of food in my system because you, you know, low-key don't eat much breakfast on Thanksgiving morning. Then when the New York Giants play Dallas, number one, I don't like Dallas, so I'm just going to curl up and take a nap. And then that evening I'll be asleep because of the turkey. I'm going to try to watch all three games. Okay, cool. Just because I love football. Okay. What, what well, else? Well, let's you get to the most important teams. The Kansas City Chiefs play the Los Angeles Rams at home on at 325. And the 49ers, who are looking like NFC Super Bowl contenders now, Woo-woo. play the Saints at home in San Francisco at 325. Coming off of a big win last night over the Arizona Cardinals in Mexico City. Wait a minute. You just said Kansas City and San Francisco both play at 325? Yep. Oh. Well, that kind of sucks. Bet you we'll have to watch KC. Probably, because the 49ers games are always out of our market. Um, yeah, that was a fun game last night watching San Francisco. I mean, it got a little bit vanilla at the end because they were kicking their butts so bad. That's right. They, they look like a different team. They're healthy, I think. And Sunday night football is Green Bay at Philly. You might watch that to tune in and watch the Eagles because Green Bay is terrible. And Monday night football is a real doozy. Pittsburgh at Indianapolis. What's the story about Indianapolis' coach? He's like an interim coach? Yeah, he was working for ESPN, and they hired him after they fired their other coach. But he played for the the Colts, won a Super Bowl, and he's I think always kind of been involved in the organization. Gotcha. Cool. He's one and one. Hey, it's better than you beat the Raiders. <laughs> well, that's not saying much. So that's it for the NFL. Okay, what do we have? Oh, <clears throat> top three. Oh, we're going to do uh, the top three things we are thankful for. This is excluding family because obviously family and friends and food. I mean, maybe you're not thankful for your family if you are. Sorry. Like, you know. But three things, not family. Okay, what's your number three? I am very thankful for water because without irrigation... We would not have had much for crops this year. It's very true. It makes you angry sometimes, but you are thankful for water. I cuss it a lot, but this year I was very thankful for irrigation. Okay, my number three is my volleyball club. Because even though it takes a lot of energy and blood, sweat, and tears, maybe not blood, but um, I love it. I love the sport. I love giving kids in this area an opportunity to play, and it gives me an opportunity to coach. And I just feel very, very grateful for that whole organization this year. What's your number two? I am very thankful this year for Will Howard, the quarterback (laughs) of Kansas State. Oh, you mean Dan Marino? Because the Will Howard from a year or two ago, I would not be thankful for. But this year, I'm very thankful for him because he's got K-State on the verge of a Big 12 championship appearance. That is pretty exciting. Absolutely. Pretty exciting. 
Okay, my number two, I am thankful for exercise. And my 30 to 30 minutes to one hour every day that I just sweat and don't think about anything because the other 23 hours of the day, I have little kids hanging on me asking for things. So I'm thankful for exercise. Okay, so down to what is your number one, um, what's your number one thing you're grateful for this year that's not me and the babies and your mama? The number one thing I am grateful or thankful for in 2022 is the Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. And you know why that is. You're going to make me tear up. Because the Children's Mercy staff got our baby Jenna all healthy and we were able to bring her home on Easter this year after being in there for a couple weeks. Yeah, so we haven't really ever elaborated like once sports seasons are over. Oh my gosh, I have tears in my eyes. Once sports seasons are over, we'll like do some more podcasts just about like marriage and our kids and stuff. But Jenna was born, she was only born two and a half weeks early, but she was born with a pneumothorax, which is a collapsed lung. So she had to be life flighted to Kansas City. And it was just a whole plethora of emotions. And yes, that's that's a pretty awesome number one. And it makes my number one sound so shallow. <laughs> Well, if you know Jenna now, you'd like never oh, you'd think anything. Oh, you never would know. She was a NICU baby. She's now what seven? She's almost eight months old she's already. Almost eight months old already. Yeah, she's sitting up. She's like trying. Okay, to crawl. you talk. I'm gonna go kiss my baby. Okay, my number one, which some people might think this is shallow, but um, my number one thing that I'm grateful for when it's used correctly is social media. And that being said, like this kind of ties into Ty's number one, like JJ was in the NICU and, you know, I am like a quote micro influencer. I don't even like the word influencer, but it's whatever. Like there's not a better term. And when we were in Kansas City, there were hundreds of women that were praying for my baby my health, my family, and just the community that has been cultivated on social media, on my Instagram. I have met some of my closest friends on there, and that is just, it's just truly a blessing when it is used correctly, when people are adults about things. Um, I'm just very grateful for my social media community. So those are our things we're grateful for. How's the baby? She's sleeping away. Is she? Yes, she is. All right, well, we hope that you have an amazing Thanksgiving, spending time with family and friends. If you have to work that day, thank you for for what you do for our world. Um, I'm really looking forward to some mashed potatoes and stuffing. And uh, yeah, you got anything else? Nope, have a happy Thanksgiving and thanks for listening to us. And don't forget to tell your friends to check out the show.